As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This week on Munchkinland, a look back at Origins 2017. Hi, everyone. I'm Steven Schleicher with this week's installment of Munchkinland. And joining me this week, one Samantha Nelson. I'm sorry, Samantha Nelson one on Twitter. <laughs> Sam, welcome to Munchkinland again. Thank you. Happy to be back. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, Origins took place in Columbus, Ohio, and it was a great place for people to get together and play games and maybe see some new games that are coming down the pipe. And can you just real quickly for our, our listeners, can you tell us what's the difference between Origins and Gen Con? Are they basically the same thing or is or is this just something completely different? Uh, they're completely different. So, um, I mean, they're both Midwest gaming conventions, but they're they're run by different people um, and the draw some of the same people because one's in Ohio, one's in Indiana, and it's not that big a drive to get between the two. Mm -hmm. uh, but Origins typically plays place in June and is significantly smaller than uh, than Gen Con, which runs in August. So um, I decided to, to look this number up because I was curious. And um, Gen Con had 60,000 people last year, mm -hmm. uh, whereas Origins had 17,000 people this year. So oh, okay. like about, I was, about a quarter of the size. Yeah, I was looking. They said turnstile attendance. And this is people coming in multiple days and, and back and forth and everything. They had yeah. their their turnstile attendance was fifty eight thousand, which is an increase of six thousand from the uh, year before. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and whereas uh, the turnstile attendance, which is uh, yeah, uh, was two hundred and one thousand for Gen Con. Wow. Last okay. Year. So, cool. Uh, so yeah, it's much smaller, but uh, that still means that there are way way more games than you can play over the course of a few days. <laughs> well, there certainly were a lot of games. I mean, we have uh, Whiz Kids there, Catalyst Upper Deck, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, True Dungeon, Real Grand Games, uh, Paizo, Pokemon. The list. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. And we're not going to spend the entire time talking about every single game that was out there because I want to know basically what are your top five games that you were able to to see and play and check out at uh, at origin so let's start with uh, maybe your number five. Oh, uh so my number five um this is actually one of the those things that um sometimes i go to cons and it's not even the the brand new games that i play but sometimes just a game that i haven't had the chance to try yet and mm -hmm. because it can be hard to wrangle enough people together and so um one of those that i tried this year was um captain sonar oh right uh, i've heard so much about that that is is that an idw games or, or who is that one um it's an asmodee game oh okay all right um, and it came out last year, and what you really need is eight people to play it right. So oh, again, really? it's, it can be a little tricky to play. Um, so, but uh, but we managed. So one of the things that Origins does is they have a, a board game hall that you can get a special ribbon to go to, uh, and it stays open until midnight. And they have this massive library of games that you can uh, check out and try. And the um, 
So we got uh, you have four, four people sit on each side and each person takes on a different role of this on a submarine. So you have one person who's the captain and he is plotting the course and tells, you know, saying where they're going. Um, another person who's the first mate who's in charge of all of the different ship systems. So they mm-hmm. let the captain know when they can he can fire torpedoes or um, and then there's the engineer. Uh, every time you move, uh, the ship takes stress and you the engineer marks that by taking different systems offline and then has to yell at the first mate and the captain once too many systems are going online offline that they need to make repairs uh, by surfacing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a comms officer whose job is to try to listen to the other team and make sense of what they're saying and figure out from that where they are so that you can try to uh, blow them up before they blow up uh, your submarine. So is everybody talking in code then? Do you have to come up with your own code for each team I mean, so that the other team just, is like, oh, I move forward one. They're moving forward one. Uh, well, so you can't talk in code, but the idea is just that there's so much going on. And then there's also um, an ability you can use called silent movement, which mm. is you have, you're moving in a way that you don't have to say which way you're moving. And then you get to make secret hand signals to your team. And oh, cool. so obviously the other team loses all track of where you are. Have you ever played that iPad app? I think it's on the iPad uh, where you're the, you and, f- and three other players are all uh, members of like a s- starship crew and you're yelling out orders back and forth to one another and you're flipping switches and dials and each person has to do things as oh, as they're being told. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And now the the it's not is it Galaxy Trucker? It may be something like that. I, I, it's, okay. it's been out for a while, but I didn't know it sounds this sounds like a board game version of that. But you're teaming up against another group of people doing the exact same thing. Yeah, so it, what it actually reminded me the most of is um, another board game I played that has actually an, an app-enabled board game, which is the uh, the board game version of XCOM, mm, okay. um, which is also kind of a real-time game. But in this one, it's just uh, all the people versus the board as mm. opposed to uh, against another team. But again, it's each person has a job, and it really prevents your quarterbacking uh, because there's just not any ability to focus on more than one thing enough as at the same time because it's all happening under real time. Yeah, this is a big group game. So I don't know if this is something that, you know, is this something that you would say casual gamers would pick up or is this something that a hardcore group needs to have? It's it's pretty I, it's, it looks like it's pretty inexpensive. Yeah, I mean, so and you could technically play it with fewer uh players though I don't I didn't really get to get into the rules on how that would function. Um it's it's not a hard game to learn, which is kind of nice. Like mm-hmm. it, you know, it in terms of setup and teaching, it took maybe half an hour and then maybe an hour and a half to actually run the game. But uh I think if you have a good g- group of uh players or even if you have a good group at your local gaming store, I think that could be a good pickup. Yeah, very cool. That's uh, Asmodee's Captain Sonar. That's a $50 game that's out now. It's been out for a while, but uh, cool. That's a that's that's one of the nice things people have always told me about Origins is that this is more people playing games than vendors trying to introduce new products. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly some amount of uh, there are some of the, the games I'm going to talk about are, are brand new or were being released at at Origins. But mm-hmm. then a lot of times it's, you know, there are games that I've played for the first time that I just heard of for the first time um, that were really fun. Cool. Well, let's look at your number four then. Um, so this is another um, older game, but I just found it to be very delightful. I didn't know that you've got kids and I thought that <laughs> it would be a, a good kid or party game. So I wanted to uh, mention that to you, which is called Happy Salmon. 
Um, it's a uh, North Star Games, and uh, they're the people that make Evolution, which is another very cool game that I tried for the first time uh, mm-hmm. at Origins. But this one is is oh. super simple, and it comes in an adorable package, which is a happy <laughs> salmon. Happy fish, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and basically you have a group that gathers around a table, and you are all each has a deck, uh, which are all identical, that have different gestures or things you have to do on it. So like you have to high five each other or you have to do a weird fin flapping motion that's called the happy salmon or you have to fist bump each other uh, or you have to change places. And so the goal is to find someone who has the exact same card at you at the exact same time so you can meet with them and do the specific symbol or or switch places. And the first person to empty their deck wins. And this game was just getting a lot of attention at the con because it was just this one area where people were just yelling like idiots and making weird (laughs) gestures and running around. And so I found just uh, a lot of people were just like, what is going on? on over here and it, it's a very very quick game but very entertaining oh that looks like a lot of fun and yeah the packaging on this is brilliant and a 15 dollars game uh, ha- uh, happy salmon maybe something to go check out what what do you have for number three uh so uh number three was a uh game that uh is an old game but is getting a new skin and which is betrayer at Baldur's gate oh right uh, i am this is a game that I am super excited about, and I'm hoping that it is everything that the the hype machines have built it up to be. Yeah, it uh, was a good time. Uh, you know, we we played through one scenario, and um, I was a fan of Betrayal in the House on the Hill, but this has actually taken a lot of the issues that that game had and mm-hmm. addressed them. So mm-hmm. they changed the way the dice math works slightly, so that um, the haunts can't come out within really the first six turns, mm-hmm. uh, which means that you get a little more time to gather your resources and get ready before the traitor is revealed. Uh, it's good, fun flavor because it's every, each character is a, is a D&D character and each one has two different class options. So I, I was playing this uh, half-orc and you could have him either be a cleric or a paladin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, they're very cool little abilities that each one has that, that deals with how they move through the rooms or how they deal with various challenges uh, and, a, and a good balance of characters and scenarios and, you know, fun, weird things that happen. And, uh, you know, again, with that good D&D flavor. So that's coming out in September and I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing more of it. Yeah. So many people have said, Stephen, you need to play uh, House on Haunted Hill and, and all that. And I'm like, eh, yeah, maybe I'll get around to it. And then they're like, oh, how about you do it with a Dungeons and Dragons flair? And I'm like, Okay, now you have me really intrigued, and I've watched the uh, couple of uh, videos where they made the announcement, and I've looked at a little bit of play on this. It, it looks very interesting, and I think uh, D&D fans are going to get all over this because it's set in that, that Baldur's Gate uh, uh, city where a lot of intrigue and craziness uh, goes on. So this seems like a perfect, a perfect skin. Yeah, and that's another thing is that unlike uh, the original House on Haunted Hill, where you really have uh, two layers of the house, the you know the first floor and the spooky basement, mm-hmm. um, this one is more like a city where you have these catacombs beneath the city, the these buildings that are in the city, and then also the streets of the city. And then uh, depending on where you are, different sorts of things will happen to you. Very cool. Now, did they talk? I know this is a brand new game that's about to uh, be released uh, next or not next month in September. Um have they talked anything about expansions or anything and what's coming next after this? 
so they didn't talk much about that. They're, one of my friends is a huge, huge fan of the Baldur's Gate video game and was wondering if he was going to see uh, any of the characters from that game show up in uh, bet- the betrayal at Baldur's Gate. And mm-hmm. the person who was demoing uh, uh, for us was was very coy about that. She said, you know, the, the seemed to be the implication that possibly they'd be introducing an expansion later that would introduce more characters. Oh, cool. Very neat. Very neat. Yeah, this is definitely one that... Uh, I hope we can check out on a future Munchkinland episode. Uh, what is your, what are we at to two? Is that where we're at? Yeah. All right. What do you uh, have for number two? So that's actually going to be another uh, Wizards of the Coast September release. So a lot to, to look forward to. Um, I didn't actually get to play this one, but I did get to speak with one of the developers of the um, new D&D module, Tomb, oh, of, Annihilation. Tomb of Annihilation. Another yep. one that looks really, really neat only because, I don't know. Uh, there's something about these, uh, the dead coming to life and, uh, and uh, zombifying everyone just sounds kind of fascinating. Tell us a little bit more about Tomb of Annihilation, because this is a big deal. I mean, not only is Tomb of Annihilation coming out um, for Roll20, you've got all the modules. Uh, I believe that the next board game that's coming out is also Tomb of Annihilation yep, as well. That's, so that's correct. They weren't, unfortunately, uh, well, I, they might have been previewing it at the WizKids booth, but I never actually made it over there because, like I said, way too many games. But um, but yeah, the new board game is also going to be Tomb of Annihilation. And yeah, I, I spoke to uh, the designer, Chris Perkins, uh, and he gave me the kind of skinny and it sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, this is if you're a fan of Ravenloft and uh, Curse of Strahd, they are trying very much to make this kind of the new Strahd, um, which is this demi-lich um, Aserak, who's been a, a bad guy since like way back in the day of uh, AD&D. Oh, yeah. And uh, so he his whole deal is he's this super evil multiplanar demi-lich who which is like a lich, but, you know, even scarier. Yeah. And he has this uh Tomb of Horrors uh, was the classic Gary Gygax uh, Mm -hmm. adventure, which was meant to be the place where your high-level party went to die. And so they decided this time around to place the tomb in the... um, a, this section of the forgotten realms that is kind of like the lost world. It's it's tropical and filled with dinosaurs and very Indiana Jones pulp uh, noir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds really fun. Like there's a lot of interesting side quests and good flavor and nasty deadly traps and you know ways for your party to die if you're not careful about oh, it. Oh yeah, and I think for people that have been playing in the Sword Coast for such a long time and you want to get out and explore, this is certainly a way to do that. Um now this is now I got a question for you. This is for levels 1 through 11 is where this adventure is set up at. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have seen too many uh Whatever these these modules, I don't think I've seen that many modules that are for, you know, like 15 to 20 and and uh, 20 and above or anything like that. Is this pretty common to see most of these things launch at a, a, a low thing and then maybe slowly build up to something beyond 11? Or are we just going to see Tomb of Light Annihilation cap out at 11 and then we wait for the next big, uh, big game? Uh, so they said that actually because this uh, adventure is so challenging that it could actually be reasonably run by parties up to a level 16. Oh, OK. So uh, but, you know, they they had a few starting points. They said if you it's easy to start if you want to start at like level one, level six or level nine, depending on your party. Mm-hmm. And so they expect that there's going to be some parties. There's also plot tie ins on this one between um, it and the most recent uh, uh Against the giants, yeah, the Frost Giants Fury, or yeah, yes, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, and uh, so there's actually some NPCs and like a magic, a key magic item from that adventure that shows up in this one. So they're oh, kind cool. of trying to, uh, you know, if people are 
already playing through the Giants adventure and want to break or want to transition that into something else, you can do that pretty easily. But um, that's that's a really good point. I you know I haven't um, played through many of the the fifth ed. Uh, adventures myself, um, certainly not to the high levels. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they probably assume that after once you've gotten to to that level of play, the kind of DM can shape what they want to really come up with a uh, final finish. Yeah, I was just I was just curious because you know you said that there's ties with Frost Giants Fury. It would be interesting to see you know the characters that finish that campaign roll over into this campaign. So that's yeah, and and they definitely have have made it so that you can do that. Very cool. Ah, that comes out in September, and uh, listeners usually they send me a copy of these books ahead of time, and then I talk about them on our finally Friday show, which I do uh, most Friday afternoons at three thirty p.m. Central Time. Um, so when that comes in, when it gets closer to September, be on the lookout for that because I'll definitely be showing off some of the art, uh, be talking about what I've read through it, some of the cool things that I see in there. So be on the lookout for that. September 19th is what it says. That's a $50 book. But I mean, if you've got Adventures 1 through 11, um, man, that is going to take you a while to get up to level 11, at least at least a quarter, right? At least a quarter of a year so that we can get to the, to the next adventure after that. Very cool. I- all right, Sam, what, what do we have left? We have, uh, we're up well, to your number one. Number one, yeah, okay. uh, which is, this was definitely the game of the con. Um, everywhere I went, people were talking about this game, um, which is Century Spice Road. Hmm. Uh, it is a really interesting little game, um, They, which is about spice trading. Right. Um, and it's highly strategic. You have basically uh, a set of cards that you buy that kind of let you trade in different ways your your goal is to create these combos mm. uh, that require these basically there are different tiers of spices so you start with the most common which are yellows and you want to get up to the most rare which are brown but then you also sometimes need like the intermediate red and green to be able to buy these um filling demands basically making orders which allows you to get uh victory points uh-huh. and so you go through the game figuring out establishing uh, trade routes, which let you exchange certain spices for other spices, and then um, making trades, which let you play cards from your hand to uh, get spices or, or trade up spices in one way or another, and then uh, picking up these demand cards, which give you victory points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just it's it's incredibly simple and yet deeply strategic. Uh, you know, it's there's just I've I've played a lot of deck building games where it becomes very clear very quickly which are the best cards and that was just not the case here because there are so many different permutations and there are incentives for say taking cards that no one else seems to be buying which can get you extra spices or extra coins if they get kind of left on the board for a while Um, and there's there's strategy about when to basically rest and and redraw your cards and when to keep playing things Uh, and you know, it's, it's, again, easy to pick up on, I think, hard to master. So this, the way you're describing it, it sounds like it's a little bit of Splendor meets a deck building game. Yes, very much so. Okay, cool. I I've, I think I've seen a couple of people review this in the past because the artwork is very familiar to me. Um, and so this is you playing against everyone else, correct? 
Yeah, it's it's um, I believe it. Yeah, it's two to five players and it's it's free for all everyone versus everyone else. OK, now, is there a board on this or is is that the board is developed uh, by you placing out your cards on this? It's really pretty much developed by pacing up your cards. There's there's two rows, one of which is the um, the market, which are cards you acquire for uh, to make these trade routes. And then the other are cards that you acquire to get victory points for the end of the game. And then there's a, a series of little bowls that each have different cubes re- or different colored cubes representing the different spices you can trade for so this is a game that just came out came out in uh, june of this month it's 40 bucks what's uh what's the hours of replayability do you think or how many times is this is this something you can play forever or is this going to kind of uh, wear on people as uh as the years go on I mean, that's that's hard to say. I feel like any game really wears on people as the years go on. But um, uh, as far as all my friends went, this was the game that everyone wanted to play again. It was the game that people were even talking about while playing other games. You mm-hmm. know, we it was my one friend played it and said, I really like this. Come play it. And then we ran into another friend and we're like, oh, have you played Century Spice Road? You should come play it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's possible much like, you know, I, I really love Dominion back in the day. And then some people pointed out some basic strategies that kind of broke the game for me. Mm -hmm. And then I haven't really played it since. And and it's possible that once I find, you know, the right friend that breaks this game, uh, this game would stop being fun, but don't don't find that friend. Yeah, exactly. I, I I feel like, and the, the company has already said they, they want to release other, um, trading and history based uh based games so i'm pretty intrigued by where they'll go with those yeah that's really cool now i'm looking right now as we're talking i'm trying to go to all these sites that i normally buy my games from century spice road is completely sold out at every single one of them yep it uh sold out at the con as of the the con started on wednesday and it was sold out by friday uh and people were really sad they didn't buy it when they had the chance <laughs> now did you get yourself a copy or is this one that you missed out on uh that was one again i i missed out on i tried it for the first time friday when it was already sold oh, out boo did you so what games did you pick up were there any that you actually bought and, and brought home with you uh you know there weren't i am i have uh as you know review games so i have a massive collection at home so i have a hard time actually buying games <laughs> because i tend to have a lot of games that are stolen in, uh in shrink wrap and mm-hmm. so if I buy more games, I feel I feel very guilty. But uh, that that was one of the ones that I, I considered. As was um oh man, there's another one now. I'm Deadline, which is another game. I'm not sure if it's out yet. Uh, which is a noir game that I played that I really enjoyed. Um, that was run by um oh now I'm trying to figure out isn't that whiz kids as well yeah that was whiz kids so uh which was a good time oh um, I, yeah this is one that i saw too this one looks really neat there are so many yeah. games there are so many games that are coming out um let me uh, let me pull up our gaming category here at majorspoilers.com let me get your hot take on on some of these upcoming games uh legendary buffy the vampire slayer comes out at the at gen con Oh yeah, I mean, I I'm a huge Buffy fan. Like, absolutely adore the show. So I will definitely uh, try to check that out at the con because I'm I'm very curious how that will uh, be like. Here's here's one that IDW just announced uh, the other day. Um, it's the Legend of Korra, the pro bending arena board game, where I, I, you take on the role of the different teams that are fighting in the arena, and you try to knock them out of the ring and and win the championship and stuff. Yeah, so I'm really torn on that one because I loved Legend of Korra, but the pro bending fights were probably my least favorite part of the entire show. Yeah, I understand that. I just was they didn't really do anything for me or the plot as far as I was concerned. So I just think that's like 
I, I like the idea of a Korra game, but like that's just the the least interesting thing I could think of. Here's another thing that I found very interesting is IDW is going to Kickstarter on this game. And to me, I you know, it's kind of the same way of Steve Jackson games when they went to uh, Kickstarter for their uh, Shakespeare Munchkin, uh, which is coming up. And I mean, it's already funded. I believe it arrives in December is the uh, is the current thing. What is what's your take on on these uh, publishers going to Kickstarter for their games? I mean, I think it's a, a good policy. It's it makes sure that you have the interest for it and mm-hmm. uh, it gives you the, the startup capital that you need to get really either nice printings or, or quicker printings or, or good printings. Um, uh, you know, I feel like more and more publishers are doing it and it's not any, in any way a sign that the game is going to be cheap or, or bad. Um, like I just uh, played for the first time recently the... Uh, Modifius's uh, Conan oh, right, uh, role-playing right. game, mm-hmm. which was was Kickstarter-funded yes. and is excellent, I, really excellent. I have that coming. I've got all the books in electronic form, or at least the ones that are going through reviews and everything. Yeah. I find it incredibly fun. I, I am very excited when the when the prints finally arrive. I think they just sent the dice the other day, so uh, I'm excited about that. Um, you'd mentioned Legendary. This is another one that a lot of people have been talking about. Legendary DXP, where they're actually porting the Legendary game to mobile and uh, and Steam systems. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. that's, that's cool because it's I, I, that is a definitely uh, a thing that I've been seeing a lot more with board games because it, it can be just hard to get people together uh, to do all the setup. And sometimes, you know, as much as I love the social aspect of those things, uh, being able to play a, a game on your mobile phone can be just a really fun way to do that. I One of my staples on, on my iPhone is uh, the Ascension app, which is one of my favorite uh, board games, but I mm-hmm. almost exclusively play it on my app. Yeah. Now. Yep. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see this at Origins. I'm pretty sure it was there. Uh, it's the Big Trouble in Little China, the board game. Uh, it's being I, put out by Everything Epic and Flipside. Oh no, I didn't even see their booth. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know if I don't remember if they were at Origins or not. Um, I think I saw some people uh, um, chatting about it online, but it's definitely one that looks interesting. Lots of miniatures. Um, it's basically where you're filling in slots where you're, you know, you're getting resources and filling in slots to do combos and, and other moves and kinds of things. Uh, that one looks kind of neat. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that in the coming months. Speaking of the coming months, Sam, Gen Con is the next big thing right around the corner. It's coming up yes. August 17th, I believe is, uh, I don't know if that's the first day, but I know that that's when some of these publishers are releasing some of their other games. What should we be looking for or be, what should be on our radar, uh, for Gen Con 2017? Oh, so much. Uh, so uh, one of the biggest things uh, we actually previewed on Major Spoilers is going to be Starfinder, yeah. which is the uh, the new role-playing game from uh, Paizo, the makers of Pathfinder, mm-hmm. which is uh, space fantasy. So uh, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing more of that. I kind of um, like how they describe it as Pathfinder, you know, uh, 5,000 years in the future. Yeah, because it is it is the same world and has some of the same races, um, but they have done some some very interesting things, like the Galarian, the the planet where Pathfinder takes place, uh, is missing. Mm. And so uh, one of the main settings is going to be this space station, kind of Babylon 5, Deep Space Nine style, where all these people who were from Galarian uh, now live because no one knows what happened to their planet. It's funny that we're getting... You know, we're getting a Starfinder and then also just released or just about to release 
is the Star Trek RPG from Modiphius. Yes, I'm also I'm planning on talking to someone from Modiphius uh, at Gen Con, so I'm really eager to, to talk to them about that because, uh, like I said, they did an excellent job with the Conan game, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of uh, devoted Trekkies that I think would be really excited to, to play a Star Trek role-playing game. I wonder if we're going to start to see... Not a big shift, but if we're going to see more RPG systems that are set in in space adventure type stuff, maybe building upon some of the popularity of a Starcraft or or something like that. Yeah, I actually have a theory about that, which is that uh, I think that the popularity of the new Star Wars movies and mm. the popularity of Guardians of the Galaxy are kind of creating this resurgence in your space fantasy, space opera, you know, sci-fi stories as opposed to your classic Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I would not be at all surprised if we saw more games like that uh, coming out. What else uh, should we look forward to at uh, Gen Con? Oh, that that is so tough. There's so much to do, and I haven't even gotten like that's the thing is there's going to be dozens and dozens and dozens of games that are going to be released there Mm -hmm. and i wish i knew more about what some of them are i think a lot of the companies were basically focused on origins uh until pretty recently and are just starting to share what they'll be releasing at gen con now so i'll have to keep you in the loop as i hear more about them that's one of the things i just noticed uh starting really kind of today but i have a feeling it's going to pick up more next week uh, after the 4th of July holiday is there's suddenly a lot more gaming news. Hey, this game's yep. coming up. Oh, this game's coming up. Ah, look at this. And I'm like, oh, great. It's Gen Con time. So will you be going to Gen Con this year? I will be. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to trying the, some of the new things there. All right. Excellent. And uh, Sam, thank you so much for spending some time with us this this time on Munchkinland. I hope we can bring you back after Gen Con and talk more about that. I'd be happy to. In the meantime, if people want to track you down, where can they find you? Uh, well, they can always follow me on Twitter at uh, Samantha Nelson One. Um, and if they want to read more about uh, the Tomb of Annihilation, I did a full article on that for Polygon. So mm-hmm. I'd recommend taking a, a look at that. And then I also do some writing at uh, Waypoint on board games. So uh, take a look there and you can see some of my work. Thank you so much for your time, Sam. And listeners, thank you for spending some time with us this week on Munchkin Land. We'll be back next week. Yes, I know it's the uh, July 4th holiday, but uh, man, we got to get through this pandemic game and see if we're going to save the world or if we are going to uh, just burn it, just like, you know, burn it. Uh, But that's coming up next time on Munchkin Land. In the meantime, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. We certainly enjoy producing all of these shows for you and having fantastic guests like Sam on here. But uh, that takes time and resources, and we can use your help. Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. Again, thank you so much, Sam. Thank you, all the listeners. And until next time, remember, it's not cheating if you don't get caught. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.